You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to New York. This is, is the Devil's Devil State, State of Mind, of Mind podcast, podcast, brought to you brought by to the, you hockey the Hockey Podcast, podcast Network. Network. Now here's now your here's host, host, Neil Villapiano! What is going on, Devils fans? It is once again your host, Neil Villapiano, and a welcome to another edition of the Devil State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day as always, wherever you're listening to these podcast episodes. Thank you guys as always for taking time out of your day to listen to these episodes. I really, really do appreciate it. It has been uh, exactly a week or a little bit less than a week since the last time I recorded. Um, you know, this past weekend was a little bit difficult for, for me. Um, one of my closest friends, uh, lost her grandmother, um, last week and, uh, she was really, really close with her and, uh, she really wanted, um, you know, her friends as much as possible to be around her and kind of support her. So over the weekend, I kind of just, uh, I really just wasn't on my phone. I wasn't really doing much of anything work-wise, um, just focusing on that. So I think the the viewing was on Sunday, and then the funeral itself was on Monday. So I really didn't have the time, nor to an extent the energy at any point to uh, to do an episode. And um, I know that I've also been pretty quiet, not entirely, but to somewhat an extent, um, you know, on social media as well. And it's more of just me slowly but surely getting back into a rhythm as I always do. And you guys have been with me long enough to know that sometimes it just takes me a little bit longer to get myself going. Um, so I do appreciate, uh, cause several of you did reach out. I really do appreciate you guys always showing support and being patient. Um, you know, when it comes to me getting episodes out and being active, because obviously, you know, I've mentioned it before, this really is now my full-time job. Um, you know, obviously now I do the bridge to the nets podcast on the basketball podcast network, which covers the Brooklyn nets. 
Um, so obviously I've gotten busier and busier and busier uh, with less and less time to uh, focus on you know one thing um, for a long period of time. I've said it before that um, you know back even last year, like during the pandemic shortened season, what was different about that was just simply that devil state of mind was the only thing I was doing at that time. So I had a lot more time to focus on it and and be a little bit more consistent. This year has been a little bit more uh, more of a challenge with different things going on. Obviously, being able to go out and about um, for the first time in quite some time, which is good. Um, I'm also just trying to take days where I allow myself to uh, you know rest uh and uh just make sure that uh i don't completely 100 percent uh give out because um it is a very demanding um position that i'm in but it's something that i don't regret doing and i enjoy and i enjoy every single day yeah i know how, i know the grind can be difficult at times but i really really do enjoy talking to you guys and again as i always say i really appreciate your guys support on a day-to-day -day basis i mean you know, every time that I mentioned that I'm taking a, day, a couple of days off or sorry for the delay and everything, you guys are just so supportive of me and you guys respect everything that I do. You guys know that I'm doing this. I'm doing another podcast. I'm doing live watch longs on the Hockey Podcast Network YouTube channel. I'm writing articles for Inside the Puck. I'm doing a lot of stuff. And uh, the fact that you guys continue to support me and be patient and things like that, it really, really does mean the world to me. So again, from the bottom of my heart, really, really do appreciate it. And if you guys could uh, send um, a special prayer to my good friend Mackenzie uh, and her family during this difficult time, I would really appreciate it. And I know for a fact her and her entire family would appreciate it as well. So again, thank you guys so much for being patient, being understanding, and continuing to support me and the Devil State of Mind podcast as much as possible. Now, Obviously, I'm not going to be uh, in the best sort of mood when it comes to recapping these last two games against Vancouver and Calgary because we virtually saw the same game two days in a row. And uh, there's a little bit of fear in myself that we are starting to see this team go back, revert back to what we were seeing earlier in the year. I think when you look at I guess you'd say virtually the last month, it really kind of started with, it really started with um, back on, I would say Wednesday, the 16th of February, after we'd gotten trounced by Tampa, we really started to find our groove and not only win games, but also even when we lost, we were being somewhat competitive. And we knew that obviously with the lack of consistent goaltending that um, we were going to have to win games by a high score, which obviously for people who enjoy a high scoring game, they're not going to complain. And for me personally, if we just end up winning the game, it doesn't matter how we win it as long as we win the game. And that was important. But I do look at these last two games against Vancouver and Calgary, and um, I'm wondering to myself if... Uh, the team is starting to, like I say, revert back to where they were earlier in the year, where not only were they losing games, but in some degree they weren't competing and they were making the same mistakes that they were making before. But before I get into that, I, I'm not going to like full on recap the other games that I obviously didn't cover 
in um, what would have been the episode on Monday. But uh, the two games, you know, against Winnipeg and Anaheim, the thing about those is that with the Winnipeg game, it was a frustrating loss, but it was only frustrating because it was one of those games where it wasn't from the Devils' lack of trying to score. Eric Comrie, a man who is 1-0 in his entire career as a Devils goaltender, um, he was in net for Winnipeg, and he just had himself a really good game. And he had been playing well of late in his last three or four starts. So he was coming in uh, playing really good hockey and he just had himself a really good game. That was one of those games where you definitely say that the goaltender really stole, you know, stole the show. He was really the main focus. So it was a tough loss to lose two to one, but one that you don't look at and you say, oh, we only scored one goal and we weren't really trying. It was just that we had a lot of opportunities. Uh, Eric Comrie just stood on his head and really did well. Now, as far as the Anaheim game is concerned, that was just a really grinded out type of hockey game. And for the Devils to not only win, but win in a shootout is pretty remarkable. And they won 2 nothing in the shootout. They scored their first two attempts, and Nico Dawes made the save on the first two attempts from Anaheim, and the Devils won. And I think that was good for them to get a bounce-back victory. And not only get a bounce-back victory, but finish the homestand with an impressive 3-1-0 record. And you think about it, St. Louis, Colorado, Winnipeg, and to a lesser extent, Anaheim, you have at least three teams there that are competing or are certainly in playoff spots. And with Colorado, we came back from down 3 nothing to win 5-3 to three in one of our more impressive wins of the season, certainly from a comeback perspective. But for the Devils to play some really talented Western Conference opponents and win three out of the four games at home is good because it gives you confidence that you can compete with other teams outside of your own conference and things like that. It also shows that you're able to win games at home, something that the devils struggled with mightily last year and have struggled with to an extent, even this year. So I think it's really important. It was really important for the devils to, um, to have that going on. Now, the other things that happened prior to those games was obviously miles Wood, Tice Thompson and Yanni Kwokinen all were able to practice again with uh, non-contact jerseys, but still, especially for Miles Wood to just see him on the ice practicing for the first time since training camp, I think is just a really great thing to see. Now we do have 21, 20 games left to go in the season. So will Miles Wood get a chance to play a couple of games? I, I think that there's a chance considering that now he's skating, he's certainly going to need more time to get going. Yanni Kwokinen, I think for him, it might be just more of a matter of time before he gets back on the ice. Tyce Thompson, who I think we all forgot was on the team considering that he got hurt back in November and has not been playing since then, I think is um, great to see as well. So for the Devils to, to be almost 100% healthy or at least be almost 100% healthy from the forward group, I think was a really, really big thing. So that's been really, really um, exciting. And you look at the fact that the Devils have a decent amount of games left. Like I mentioned, 20, 21 games left to go in the season at the time of this recording. I think that there is a chance that you're going to see at least maybe a Miles Wood or Yanni Kwokin. I don't know about Tyce Thompson. They're still kind of up in the air about him. So it's just a matter of figuring out uh, if his injury is, is, um, is not too severe enough uh, to prevent him from coming back into the lineup. And uh, you do kind of wonder what other moves the Devils will have to make once those guys, if they do get a chance to come um, to uh, to come back into the lineup. The other thing that I should mention, obviously, is that by the time uh, the next episode, 51, comes out, it will be coming out prior to the trade deadline. 
uh, which will be on Monday the 21st, ending at, I believe, 4 p.m. Eastern time. Um, so unless we get major news between now and Monday, I will just obviously recap the game against Edmonton. And again, if there's any other moves that happen, we'll obviously discuss them. But if there's any major moves that happen, that won't come until next Thursday uh, for that episode. And so I would say this, um, by the time we play the Rangers on Tuesday, next Tuesday, um, this team may look a little bit different or it may not. There's a lot of, there's still a lot of question marks as to what the devils are really honestly going to end up doing if they do anything at all at the trade deadline. And I think with what has happened over the last couple of games, it may change the course of what the devils decide um, to do. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, the one last quick thing I wanted to mention before I get into the recap was uh, Frank Saravalli, another very trusted um, insider for the NHL uh, for Daily Faceoff, I believe. He said in a in his one of his last um, talking points that there is a lot of uncertainty and a lot of question marks surrounding Mackenzie Blackwood and his future in New Jersey. And that is why Mackenzie Blackwood, as I mentioned before, is on Frank Valley's most recent trade bait list because the Devils, as Tom Fitzgerald spoke about when he was interviewed by Pierre Lebrun in that article last week written by The Athletic, um, he said that the, the Devils have to probably go back to the drawing board when it comes to their goaltending situation because last year, and certainly this year, the goaltending situation has been an absolute mess. We have just not been able to have a consistent one-two tandem for a decent stretch of time. I mean, you think about it. Last year, it was Blackwood. It was Scott Wedgwood. Um, I think that was mainly it. Well, we also had Eric Comrie. Um, we did have one other guy that uh, his name is Aaron Dell. We had him play a game. And then you look at this year. We've had Blackwood. Jonathan Bernier, Nico Dawes, Akira Schmid. Um, we had John Gillies and Scott Wedgwood. That's six goaltender. And we also had um, an emergency back, an emergency goaltender um, as well. So that's nearly seven goaltenders that we've had play at least one game. So it is really, it's really become a point that the Devils have to find a way to find consistent goaltending. I think, though, that it wouldn't be smart to move on from Blackwood because I don't think he's gotten a fair shake when it comes to having a decent team around him. Uh, I've mentioned it before that Blackwood is suffering from a lot of the things that uh, Corey Schneider dealt with where now he's just been overworked and uh, he's starting to regress. And that's something that you really can't afford. And uh, that will lead me into another point I want to make later on in this episode once we start talking about uh, the game recaps, because I want to talk about Nico Dawes a little bit. Um, and again, some points and some warning signs that I want to make clear. But again, with Blackwood, they said that, you know, a lot of the reports that we're getting is that there's a chance that Blackwood could be back by, you know, the, by the end of the trade deadline, that he could very well come back and play some games. So maybe if Blackwood does come back, and is able to play, then the Devils may not necessarily go after a goaltender at the deadline and end up just going with uh, Blackwood and um, John Gillies the rest of the way to allow Nico Dawes to go back down to Utica to help them 
make that long, hopefully long run in the Calder Cup playoffs to try to win a championship because obviously they are in the midst of what could be a very special year in the first year back in Utica with the Comets. But I think it is something to keep in mind, not just for the deadline, but certainly in the offseason as to what the Devils really decide to do long term with a guy like Blackwood. So that was something I wanted to quickly mention. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right. A bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, don't worry. You still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or older, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So now we'll shift to the game recaps, and we'll start with the game on Tuesday night against the Vancouver Canucks. The Devils were looking for their 13th straight win over the Vancouver Canucks. Obviously, the Devils know that they've already had success against the Vancouver Canucks because you go back to the 28th of February, we blew them out 7-2. to So obviously, you're going into this game with a relatively decent amount of confidence, and you're coming off going 3-1 and on your homestand. So again... The Devils are coming into it, playing really good hockey of late and feeling confident. And, um, you know, again, the Devils ended up going with Nico Dawes. It would be his eighth consecutive game in a row. And I've said it before that I was um, I was a little bit concerned about him playing this many games in a row because of the fact that you don't want him to over overwork himself and hurt himself and not be able to go back down to Utica to play. And uh, you obviously don't want to see the kid regress before he even gets himself going in the National Hockey League. But Lindy Ruff had mentioned prior to the game that he wanted the Devils to continue to play with the hot hand. They had been playing really good hockey with Nico Dawes in net, even at times if he didn't look all that great. They were winning games regardless, and he was playing very strong in net. So I think that that's something that um, you got to feel good if you're Nico Dawes, that the Devils have that much confidence in you. I also think that it, it partly has to do with the fact that they need decent goaltending um, to at least win some of these games that they've been playing of late. So there's that. And again, nobody expected at the beginning of the season that it would be Nico Dawes and John Gillies as our goaltenders um, when we began the season. So again, very difficult circumstance to be in, but something that we have to uh, we have to deal with. Now, the game didn't get off to the greatest start. Ethan Hunt, um, sorry, um, what was his name? Hunt? I forgot his first name off the top of my head. I do apologize. Brad Hunt scored just his second goal of the year, three and a half minutes in, made it one nothing Vancouver. Uh, with about nine minutes to go, uh, Niles Huglander scored his 10th goal of the year. And uh, with about nine minutes to go in the period, the Canucks are up to nothing. So it wasn't the greatest start in the world if you're the Devils. But Ryan Graves would uh, cut the deficit to one. It was a great feed from Sharon Govich on the right side over to Ryan Graves, who went top shelf and beat Thatcher Demko. And the Devils ended up trailing 2-1, to one, only 2-1 to one after... 
uh, 20 minutes of play. You go into the second, Jesper Bratt with a beautiful flip up into the air to lead Jack Hughes on a breakaway. Jack Hughes would go five-pole, beating Thatcher Demko to tie the game up at two. That was a big, big-time goal indeed to tie the game up. But then the Devils would quickly, in the span of less than 30 seconds, give up back-to-back goals by Bo Horvat and Tanner Pearson. And the Canucks would quickly jump back out up front uh, by two goals to make it four to two. Uh, Nate Bastion would score on a rebound to make it four to three, but that was as close as the Devils would get as Bo Horvat and uh, Lamico would both score um, goals in the third period and uh, the Devils would just not recover. What was very frustrating though about going into the third period was simply this. The Devils started the third period while they began... They started the with the with like about two minutes to go in the second period. They had started a four minute power play. They didn't score it to for the end of that second period. And not only did they not score on the entire four minutes, but they gave up a shorthanded breakaway goal to Bo Horvat, who got his second of the game, and that pretty much ended any sort of momentum that the Devils had. So it was very frustrating to see the Devils have a four minute power play, not only not score, but give up their ninth ninth shorthanded goal of the season, which is more than any other team in the National Hockey League. Completely unacceptable. And again, another one of the many situations that we've seen in which our special teams completely takes us out of the game, which is unbelievably frustrating. And like I mentioned before, the Canucks would add another one after that, and the Devils would drop this one six to three. And uh, again, very frustrating. Um, The Devils, they did have some fight in them. But again, at the end of the day, they just uh, they just didn't have enough, and they made too many mistakes. And Vancouver, who had been playing, who has been playing well of late, and is right in the middle of a dogfight for the second wild card spot, they needed that win badly, and they ended up getting themselves the win, splitting the season series against the Devils, and winning against the Devils for the first time in a long time after losing 12 in a row. And the first time in Quinn Hughes's career that he's been able to beat Jack Hughes. Now, Quinn Hughes, I think, did add, add an assist, I believe, in this game. I believe it was just one. Yeah, he got the primary assist on the Bo Horvat shorthanded goal in the third. Jack Hughes, though, got a little bit of the upper hand because he actually had a goal in this game. He also added an assist as well. So, again, from from an individual standpoint, Jack Hughes had a better game. But from a team standpoint, Vancouver ended up winning this one by the score of 6-3. to So, definitely a frustrating loss, one that you feel like the Devils could have avoided. Um, Nico Dawes was pulled from this game, which was only the second time this season he's been pulled. Um, But he just really looked like he didn't have it. He looks like that he's a little bit tired. And uh, John Gillies had to come in in relief. Didn't really help out the matter really to, at all. Um, and so, again, you could also make an argument that goaltending kind of failed us again. But that's to be expected. But a sucky loss nonetheless. And, um, you know, not the greatest start you want to have to this uh, quick Western Canada road trip. Now we shift things over to Wednesday night's game against the Calgary Flames. And so... Number one, you're obviously looking for a bounce-back victory. Number two, again, you're facing a playoff-caliber team, a very scary team, because the thing about a team like the Calgary Flames is that when they got all four lines going, they are scary. They can put the puck in the net and put the puck in the net a lot. So this was a game that the Devils knew they were going to have to come out and play very, very well if they wanted to have a chance to win. 
What was interesting is that Lindy Ruff decided to go back to Nico Dawes to start this game. I think that if Nico Dawes had played the entire game against Vancouver, I think most likely John Gillies would have started this game against Vancouver, uh, against Calgary. But for Nico Dawes, he was going in starting his ninth consecutive game in a row. I was frustrated by that because I felt I understood from the standpoint of you want this kid to be able to regain some of that confidence he may have lost in not having a great game against Vancouver, but he's also played an eight in a row. And I'm sure at this point that he has to feel some effects of fatigue and being overworked. And that is something that is very, very concerning. And I'll get into that in a little bit more in depth after I do my quick recap here. But the Devils did not get off to the best start as uh, Brett Ritchie scored his first goal of the season uh, to make it one nothing on a wrist shot. So the Flames were able to grab themselves the one nothing lead. Dawson Mercer, though, with just about three and a half minutes to go in the first period, was able to score on a nice feed from Tatar. He went top shelf, threw a screen from a defenseman over the glove of Markstrom to tie the game up at one. For Dawson Mercer, 15th goal of the season which is tied for the fourth most goals by any rookie this year. He's only five behind Michael Bunting for the most goals scored by a rookie this year. And I think it would be great if Dawson Mercer in these next 21 games could get five more goals, finish with at least a 20-goal season in his first year in the NHL. Would be massive for his development for a guy that is now the only player on this team to play every single game because Jonas Siegenthaler, um, was a late scratch in the game against Vancouver because of, you know, a non-COVID illness. Um, so that was something that was kind of interesting. The Devils also didn't have uh, Andreas Janssen for this game. They also didn't have Pavel Zaka, who got hurt early on in his first shift um, against Vancouver, where he took a shot. He got, he went hard into the boards and did not come back. Um, and I want to talk about Pavel Zaka a little bit more also at the end of this recap, because there's, you know, there's an important thing here when it comes to Zaka, especially with what's going on over the next couple of days. But the Devils would tie the game up, but unfortunately, they would allow about two minutes later for Andrew Mangiapane to be all alone in the slot. He beats Nico Dawes, and the Flames were able to regain the lead two to one, and they would be leading two to one after 20 minutes of play. So just like the night before, the Devils were able to cut the deficit to one, although it was a little bit different. They tied the game and then uh, Calgary took the lead. But again, after one period of play, you're down two to one. Now the Devils would tie it on a wrist shot from P.K. Subban at the blue line. He kind of shrugged his shoulders like he didn't expect that puck to go in. But sometimes you get a little bit lucky. But nonetheless, P.K. Subban with just his fourth goal of the season getting that one. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, because I want to check here. He had seven goals in his first year with the Devils. He had five last year. So he only needs two more. He needs four more goals this season to have the most goals uh, of any season he's had with the Devils. Um, unless, obviously, he gets traded at the deadline, which is still a possibility, but a very unlikely possibility. But nonetheless, the Devils tied the game up at two. And then the Devils, like they've done so many times in the second period, just completely fell apart as Dubé, Kachuk, and Milan Lucic would score three unanswered goals. And by the time it was all said and done, the Devils were down 5-2 to two after two periods of play. Nico Dodds for the second consecutive game was pulled. And very disheartening. And you could see Nico Dodds on the bench 
definitely upset that he has had two very bad games the last two games, and he's been pulled in back-to-back games. Not what you want. Now, in the third period, the Devils would uh, fight back a little bit as Sharon Govich would get his 15th goal of the season as well to make it 5-3, to three, but that was the closest the Devils would get. Johnny Gaudreau would add in a goal at the end on an empty netter, and the Devils, for the second consecutive game, lose by the score of 6-3. to three. So, as you can tell by the title of this episode, Seeing Double, we end up losing back-to-back games in the same score. Also, the Devils have been have given up a total of 15 goals in the two games they faced against Calgary this year. So Calgary has certainly had the Devils' number. The Devils have now lost, I think, eight or nine in a row to the Calgary Flames. So that's a streak that the Devils will have to wait at least until next season to try to see if they can end up ending it. So they end up losing the season series uh, 0-2 to Calgary this year and getting blown out both times, which is not Great. So the Devils drop both of these games to start the Western Canada road trip, and the Devils will conclude it on Saturday when they're in Edmonton against the Oilers. That game will be at 3 p.m. Eastern, so it'll be an afternoon game on Saturday. But before I end the episode, I wanted to point out uh, two major important things. Talking about Nico Dawes, I totally get why the fact that Nico Dawes has been playing as much as he's played nine straight games in a row, because obviously he's been the most consistent goaltender we have had the entire season and the devils up until these last two games had been playing really well and had been strong in net, helping this team win games. We went three, one and oh on the homestand. I mean, that, again, that, that right there should tell you where the devils have been when it comes to just being able to, you know, be competitive in these games. But these last two games against Vancouver and Calgary, what you are seeing is two things. One, Nico Dawes is tired because he's been playing every single, he's been playing every single game. And I understand the Devils have had some days off here and there, but still, this was a situation back to back where, Honestly, he probably should have gotten one of these two games off completely, even if John Gillies had a horrible game. And John Gillies did not fare well either in these games. Uh, he, I think he ended up giving up three goals in total in these two games, so he didn't really play all that well either. But again, it would have behooved the Devils to give Nico Dawes a chance to rest, regroup, and go from there. I worry a little bit about the kid's confidence now that he has had two bad games back-to-back, been pulled in back-to-back games. I, I do wonder with, obviously, Thursday and Friday off, what Lindy Ruff decides to do with regards to who gets the start against Edmonton. Now, is it still a possibility that the Devils could look for some sort of a veteran goaltender to play along John Gillies for the rest of the season to allow Nico Dawes to go back to Utica? Possibly. I think it's unlikely because the goalie, um, what do they call it? The, um, the goalie market is not really that great. And uh, I think you're going to have many more options in the offseason via trade or free agency. I just think right now it's tough. But I also do understand that it would make a lot of sense for the Devils to get somebody in here to play a decent amount of games with John Gillies so that Nico Dawes doesn't have to you know, stay up here for the rest of the season and try to play. 
I do think it's good that Nico Dawes is playing this much because it allows him to get a feel for how the NHL game is played and gives him that confidence going into next season. I do think that there is a very likely possibility that Nico Dawes is going to be one of the two goaltenders going into next season. I do believe that because I think he has shown enough in, in Utica and shown enough here in the NHL that he can play. And that when he's on his game, as we've seen in many games before, he is very, very good. And once we get our offense going and consistent, we're going to win a lot of hockey games and his win-loss record is going to look a lot better. But I will warn you that if we continue to play Nico Dawes this much, he may very well end up dealing with the same fate that guys like Corey Schneider and Mackenzie Black would have dealt with in the past. And that is being asked to play so much, having to bail out this team so much for a lack of offense and things like that that eventually he'll start to regress and it'll become another goaltender that we quote unquote waste. And that is the problem that we have right now with Blackwood who consistently has not been healthy and at times has looked mediocre and things like that. And there's still a lot of question marks about his long-term future with the New Jersey Devils and why he's been subject to potential trade rumors and why the Devils are, quote-unquote, going back to the drawing board when it comes to their goaltending situation. There is a lot of question marks with it. There is no doubt about that. So I, in a perfect world, would love to see the Devils be able to get somebody in here to play with Gillies the rest of the season, allow Nico Dawes to go back down to Utica, help Utica continue to make a push and get ready for the playoffs and kind of go from there. And I know that uh, people say like, oh, you might as well play him. You know, the season doesn't really matter. You want to get this guy experience. I do think in a way that he's had enough experience at this point, but I can see where everybody's coming from as well. So I know not everybody's going to agree with me, but that's just my opinion when it comes to Nico Dawes playing this much. I think the kid is just tired. I think he's just very, very tired. And it does suck because John Gillies is just not a good option either. So if we play Gillies, you know, we're, we're putting ourselves in a difficult spot anyway um, because of it. So again, you know, for all we know on Thursday or Friday, the Devils could very well make a move for a goaltender and, and actually be able to have somebody play and allow uh, Dawes to go back to Utica. Uh, again, I, I don't see it happening, but who knows? But I just wanted to say about that. Now, one last thing quickly, I want to talk about Pavel Zaka. Now, it's been reported that now the Montreal Canadiens are one of the other teams now reported to have interest in Pavel Zaka in a trade. Um, Vancouver, I think, is still involved, but it seems like less and less that Vancouver is going to do anything at the deadline. And I said earlier that um, I think it would make more sense for Vancouver to just wait till the offseason to make the moves they want to make. Because right now they're fighting for a playoff spot. I don't think you want to screw up the chemistry really that much right now. That's just me. But with regards to Zaka, the issue right now is this. He got hurt on on Tuesday against, um, against Vancouver, did not return uh, to that game, didn't play at all against uh, Calgary, and you're wondering how severe is his injury. And if it's severe, I mean, if it's one that's going to keep him out of the lineup for a while, no team in the NHL, it's not going to be like where Sammy Votten got traded to Carolina, even though he was hurt, and then would eventually play in the bubble. Um, I, I just, I think that unfortunately his value then, talking about Zaka, would end up not being that much, and the Devils may not end up trading him after all, um, which is could be a good thing it also could be a bad thing especially if there was an offer or there is an offer out there that's decent um but 
it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of days how severe Zaka's injury is and how much it would affect uh, if or if not he gets traded at the deadline. So again, something that could throw a wrench in everything that the Devils were maybe planning on doing at the deadline. But again, I don't know what's going to happen with the Devils over the next couple of days when it comes to this. The deadline is, uh, is next Monday, and there's going to probably be a lot. Of, we've already seen some moves. We've seen guys like Ben Sherratt get moved. Uh, we've seen other guys like Tomas Hurdle end up signing a long-term extension in San Jose. Uh, we've seen Frank Vetrano go from Florida to the New York Rangers. We've seen Kyle Yarncrook go from Seattle to Calgary. Um, and these are small moves, but at the same time, they are what I consider to be the tip of the iceberg to what should honestly be a very, very interesting and probably very busy trade deadline. With regards to the Devils, there's still a lot of question marks as to what they're really going to do. Uh, from what I've heard, it doesn't seem like P.K. Subban is going to get moved because of his contract, even if the Devils retain uh, half of his salary. The Devils don't plan on trading him unless they get a move that really benefits them. Um, so I think that there's a good chance P.K. Subban just remains a devil for the rest of the season. Could Jimmy Vesey, who's at UFA at the end of the year, be moved? Potentially, but probably for not very much. And then with Zaka, we don't know. And we don't know if the Devils are going to try to buy that uh, top six um, that top six scoring winger right now. Uh, I know that Fitzgerald talked about wanting to make a splash in free agency next uh, this offseason. So the big moves that we thought we might get a couple weeks ago, they may end up not happening or they may end up happening in the offseason. So I would say to you guys, don't get your hopes up too much. If the Devils end up not making a whole lot of moves, it's mostly because probably what the offers they got for certain guys wasn't good enough. Or they were trying to make a hockey trade and it didn't end up working out. So I think that's something to uh, to definitely look at over the next couple of days. So we'll see. But these last two games, certainly frustrating. I hope that the Devils can bounce back against Edmonton and go back to playing the way they were playing prior to these two games against Vancouver and Calgary. Um, but if not, obviously, we already know that it's just going to be a long last 21, 22. 20 games to go in the season but again you just want to see this team try to compete until the season comes to its official end 